There's never a dull moment when it comes to Minnesota sports, whether it's on the gridiron. For the end zone, it's Jefferson who's got the touchdown. On the court. Edwards thinking three and popping a three. On the ice. It's Caprice over the open or on the diamond. Buxton hammers that to left field. Another Minnesota home run. Whether it's positive. I think this is a good enough roster to make the playoffs. Or negative. He's terrible. Awful. Don't get it. Don't understand it. Whether there's optimism. Hey, they might be able to even make it to a conference final. Or pessimism. Don't expect me to be super excited. I mean, I don't know. Does this really do much for anybody? There's always something to chat about. Shout out to Minnesota Sports Chat. Keep on being elite. If you're looking for fun, informative, discussion on all things Minnesota sports, you've come to the right place. This is Minnesota Sports Chat, and now, here's your host, Ross Brendo. Out of the gate, congratulations are in order for QB1 of the Golden Gopher football team. Mr. Tanner Morgan and his gal, congratulations on the nuptials this past weekend. Welcome inside edition number 119 of the soon-to-be award-winning Minnesota Sports Chat. That would be award-winning if only in my own mind. Welcome to all of those of you listening. I think that's proper English. It actually might not have been. Welcome to those of you listening in the Score North Taxi Squad feed and possibly some new downloaders who heard me fill in on the My Talk Morning Show recently. Thank you for finding the 119th edition of Minnesota Sports Chat. If you are listening in that Score North Taxi Squad feed, I do encourage you to find Minnesota Sports Chat wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Please make sure you subscribe, rate and review if you wouldn't mind. I am so appreciative to everybody who has taken the time to do that. Thank you so much. Well, let's welcome in right now a man who needs no introduction because he actually put together the introduction for the podcast, the past introduction, and the current introduction. It is Mr. Manny Hill from Score North and Jazz 88, and future travel partner, and yeah. past travel partner as well. Manny Hill, how are you? I'm good, my friend. Yeah, we're uh, going to Winnipeg next month to, to take in some Blue Bombers football. I'm looking forward to that. A? A. Winnipeg A? <laughs> So I have a couple topics for you today, and you're well-versed in both of them. I want to start with, we'll get to Rudy Gobert and the Minnesota Timberwolves, which is still odd to say in the same sentence. We'll get to that in a, a few minutes here. But I do actually want to start with the Minnesota Twins, who continue to be in first place. Record date, July 12th. We're now, we've learned it's the middle of July. The Twins have now gone more than half the season as Almost wall-to-wall in first place. Established contenders in the American League. Again, you can can look at established contenders in multiple different ways, but they're a contender to the point of, I've been fairly convinced since before the season started they're going to be a playoff team. So that's when I say contender, that's what I mean. Are they World Series contenders? I don't know. I think some roster work has to be done for that to even be a small consideration, but that's where I want to start with the Minnesota Twins and really all that I want to talk about. So here's what I have laid out for you, Manny, with the Minnesota Twins. What's realistic at the trade deadline as the trade deadline approaches three weeks from actually record date today on August 2nd? 
So here's what I think the Twins need to become a team that when they make the playoffs, you go, yeah, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if they win the World Series. I'm not saying World Series favorites, but just you wouldn't be shocked. Here's what I think the Minnesota Twins need. They need two above average to pretty good relievers to help solidify the bullpen. And they need a pretty good to frontline starter, another Sonny Gray type. I think they need all of those things. I think you could also make the case another bat wouldn't hurt to help the lineup be a little bit more consistent. But then where does that bat play? So let's just leave that on the back burner. So let's go with two relievers and a starting pitcher. I think that's what they need to be legitimate World Series contenders, playoff contenders that could maybe push New York or Houston in an elongated series beyond the first round of a three-game series in which they won't play those two teams. Okay, so I need to lay out my path to how that would happen, Manny, and then I'll let you kind of offer your rebuttal and your thoughts on this topic. Okay. To get two relievers and a starting pitcher to and again, quantify these as pretty good starting or pretty good relievers and a pretty good starting pitcher. That takes a lot. That's going to take a lot of assets. And I'm not, they're not all top line assets, but that's going to take, that's going to take a lot of your farm system. So the only way I think I get what I want is a scenario that involves two trades. You are going to one team and you are purging perhaps their best starting pitcher and a relief pitcher. And then you're giving up good assets to another team for a relief pitcher. Maybe that's Robertson from the Cubs. Uh, Could be really, in all honesty, it could be insert name here. I don't even need them to be superstars. They just need to be better than, you know, half of what's currently coming out of that bullpen when they open the doors and somebody trots out. But that's asking a lot, Manny. Is it? Is it realistic to think a team can trade for two relievers and a starting pitcher in a three-week span when realistically all those teams that have assets that they're willing to give to the teams that are in competition for a playoff spot, they're going to wait till the end. It doesn't do them really any good now. They're going to wait till late July or early August. So can that even happen? Can the Twins get all of that? I'm I I don't know. That's yeah. that's a lot to get and you're going to have to do something the Twins don't love to do in any regime to get something you're going to have to give something and you might have to overpay in prospects. But to keep doing the classic Ross and go all the way around the block here, once you committed to having Carlos Correa here this year, you committed to trying to win this year. Yep. So you're if you in. If you need to overpay for prospects and o- or overpay in prospects for relievers and starting pitching, even if you don't believe that alone will help you win a World Series, you still need to do it because you never know. And even though I, I know I'm in the minority, even though I think Carlos Correa is coming back next year, there's a chance he won't or that he isn't. So you got to try and win now. There's a decent chance he won't be back. Do you agree with my assessment that the Twins need two relievers and a starter? And then the back half of that, is it even obtainable to get all of that? Well, yes, 
yes to your first question i do think that it is i think you you pinpointed two very specific needs um we know that the bullpen has been <laughs> much maligned all year i mean it's just been it's it's just been not good and incredibly inconsistent now you know a guy that was under a lot of um a lot of scrutiny earlier in the year tyler duffy he's been he's been better in recent weeks and that's that's a good sign but you just you just don't know if he's going to be if this is the tyler duffy we're going to see for the rest of the season we just we just don't know that i mean pagan's been a complete disaster i mean it's just there's no other way to, to put it so really the only reliable reliever that they have is duran and you know, you just have to hope that he's able to hold up for the uh, duration of the the rest of the regular season uh, because they're going to need him. So, yeah, I mean, you know, when you look at the, start, the starting rotation as well, I mean, you've got Archer has actually been as frustrating as he is to watch at times. He's actually been pretty solid for them when you look at the the total body of work. Well, he's, you know, he's not available right now. Um you know, Dylan Bundy, you just don't know what you're going to get out of him. Sonny Gray's been been probably their best starting pitcher. Him and Joe Ryan have been your your two best guys in your rotation. Um, so yeah, I mean they they need they need help in both departments uh, if they really want to be serious about contending for a championship. Now, to answer your second question, is it attainable? Well, I would say this. Yes, I think it is attainable. I think it's attainable if if the team that we're talking about has a long track record of making things like this happen, like legitimately happen. The problem has been with the Twins, to your point, they've been very reluctant to give up the necessary assets, i.e. prospects, that it takes to make moves that put you over the top. Okay, signing Josh Donaldson a couple of years ago, we were all on board with that. Okay. That was, that was great. Even signing Carlos Correa. That's, that's, that's great. We like that, but it just feels like they've never, we've feel like we've had this conversation a million times, Ross. We've known each other for almost two decades and we seem to have this conversation every single year with the twins. Just the reluctance to go out and make all of the necessary moves possible to really put yourself in a position to, to, to win a championship. And we've just never seen them do that. So honestly, I would say, yes, it is attainable, but do I think it's realistic to, to, to think that it'll happen? No, I don't. I don't, I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not, I don't see that yet. I think the one thing that I've kind of narrowed in, in my head the last few days is circling back to Oakland or Cincinnati because Oakland has Frankie Montas, Cincinnati has uh, Castillo, if I'm correct in that. And then you're looking through their bullpen and you're looking at who are their better arms that would be available. In Oakland's case, I, I call up Oakland and I, I tell them right now, I want Montas, I want Frankie Montas, and I want Paul Blackburn. Mm-hmm. I want, it's not negotiable. I want those two guys. What do you want for that to happen? And, of course, they're going to come back with, and this is where I'll defend the Twins. This is how negotiating works. They'll come back with something that is utterly ridiculous. You know, they'll ask for Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa. Now, they they won't, but you know what I mean. They'll come back 
was something that's utterly ridiculous. Falveen then needs to decide from that ridiculous offer, what can we actually part with that we think they'll say yes to and let's just do it. And for Montas, it's going to be a lot. There's club control left. So it's going to be a lot. But that's, to me, that's why you're the twins, or that's why if you're the twins, you do it. You're getting a guy with club control. You're getting a reliever who this year, and Paul Blackburn has an ERA in the middle threes. He's a career ERA guy around five. So, yeah, you're taking a bit of a risk there, but he's pitched well this year. That's one trade. Then you go out and you find another guy somewhere else. I I just... It needs to happen, and I'm going to be very disappointed in this front office if at least two-thirds of what I said doesn't get done. I can understand how you don't get all of what I asked for, but to not get at least a reliever and a starter or two relievers and no starter to me is malpractice. And You've got to try. You, yeah. you've got, and, and when I say try, you've got to legitimately try. Don't just make a phone call, and then when they say no – you walk away from the conversation and say, oh, well, we tried. Well, and and give your offense a chance, too, because you're, yeah. you've are you already uh, – look, I get it. It's, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. And the Twins, uh, again, as we record today, you know, they're sitting in first place by, you know, depending on when you listen to this pod, it'll be somewhere between four and six games, basically. That's great for this time of year. If you would have told me that at the beginning of the year, I would have been ecstatic. Okay, but this team, if you can look at it objectively, they should lead this division by roughly 10 games right now, and we should be talking about ways to get better and fortify this for the playoffs. Instead, now we're talking about ways just to make sure that they do make the playoffs. And Manny, does any one of us believe this offense that has already been, for as good as they can be, they're very inconsistent. Do we really believe that this team, when they're facing the Justin Verlanders of the world or the Garrett Coles of the world, that they'll score five to ten runs a night in the playoffs? I don't. Maybe once it'll happen. It's not going to happen repeatedly in a playoff series. So give your offense a chance by putting more pitchers out there like a Sonny Gray, like a Frankie Montas. Like a Sandy Alcantara, who the Marlins aren't going to trade right now unless you give them Byron Buxton and Carlos Correa, <laughs> which in that case, you know what? They wouldn't do that either because that's too much money they'd be taking on. Right. But but you get the point. Are you are you confident in this front office overall? My confidence has waned recently, and it's not it's not necessarily. And I don't mean like I don't think they got I don't think they should be fired. I said that after last year when last year ended disastrously. No, I don't not. I don't think they should be fired if the Twins end up losing two more playoff games in a row this year and it's twenty playoff games in a row. I don't think they should be fired. No, but of course not. but what I am saying from the confidence standpoint is Derek Falvey was brought here because of all the pitching he found and helped establish in Cleveland, and you were beating this drum about two years ahead of me. I will give them credit. They have done a really good job acquiring minor league talent from other teams. They've done at least a pretty good job. You know, when you think of Duran, you think of Celestino, those are the names that come to mind right away. Joe Ryan, of course, for Nelson Cruz. But there, there was a body of work and you could already kind of see it. They haven't done the best job drafting and developing their own pitchers yet. And that gives me pause. 
and they also haven't done the best job acquiring pitchers yet. But I don't know if that's truly because they can't identify pitchers or if it's truly because they've put the monetary constraints on themselves or ownership has that won't allow them to go buy good pitchers. Because aside from trading for Sonny Gray, pretty much everything else they've touched via free agency or the trade market that is a current major league pitcher has been disastrous since they've been here. Yeah, well, in, even even in the case of a trade, I mean... The, and by the, they, I, let me clarify, by they, Derek Falvey and Thad Levine as well. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, and, and the, the trade, the, the Taylor Rogers trade, I mean, <laughs> that's been a complete disaster. I mean, yeah. you, you traded on the surface, you got you get Paddock, who's sort of the prize piece of the deal. Well, <laughs> you didn't do your you didn't do enough due diligence on his arm, and now you're not going to have you know part of it is because he's young and he has team control. Well, you're losing a lot of that team control because you're not going to have him for at least a year. And I so. still agree with the trade of Taylor mm-hmm. Rogers because they weren't going to re-sign him after this year. But the ROI, the return on the investment, has been brutal. It's been it's been terrible. I mean, you're, you've got nothing out of Paddock, and Pagan has just been a complete disaster. Um. So yeah, I I, I think. Here's what I'll say about Fabian Levine. I think they've done a pretty solid job of, if anything, they've done a nice job of not being a complete disaster from top to bottom as an organization. I think, if anything, the Twins, for the most part, since they've been around, have been competitive, you know, save for 2018, things kind of, you know, things didn't go very well. Okay, well, they they kind of made a change in manager uh, brought in Rocco Baldelli in, you know, 2019 ended up being a really nice season for them. 2020, they, you know, in a, in a really weird COVID abbreviated season, they won the division again. And then last year wasn't very good. Well, this year they've turned around and, and, you know, they, they're, they've got a, at least a, a really solid season going. So they, for the most part, avoided the complete um, disaster, but Again, it goes down to it comes down to what are the next steps you are willing to take to really be serious about winning a championship, or is or are you just content with, hey, yeah, we'll win, you know, we'll have this guy and that guy, and maybe we'll win somewhere between eighty-five and ninety-two games, and hey, maybe we'll win the division too, and if we make the playoffs, then we'll just see what happens, because that's kind of the vibe that we've seen, certainly from them, and. You know, in previous years before that, um, you know, when they were under the leadership of Terry Ryan or or Bill Smith. So not one Twins team, really not one Twins team that I've watched make the playoffs, including the ones that have now lost 18 playoff games in a row (laughs) or the ones that won playoff games in 2002, 2003, 2004. None of those teams couldn't win the World Series. Right. The 2002 team actually was a really, really damn good team and actually easily could have won the World Series. I don't think we all understood it even when it came to an end in 2002. But looking back on it, even a few years removed, you went, oh, wow, that was actually a really darn good team. I think even the the yeah, the Bomba Squad team, you know me, I never really fully believed it because I just it was the same thing. I just didn't think that enough pitching. 
Right. The 2016 was, I think, probably World Series good, and they went. Remember, we didn't want to play the Yankees that year. We were ecstatic to get the A's, and then we lost to the A's in three games. And not we, because I didn't play. Marco Scudero kicked their butt. And uh, Frank Thomas, who they had a chance to sign but didn't. But what mm-hmm. I'm saying is that, to your point, Manny, the Twins have always they they've went along for the ride to the point of, hey, we got a good team and they can win the World Series if they get hot. Well, can we just get to the playoffs and have a good team and know it and see what happens, versus right. hoping you know we have <laughs> this year's version of Jeff Supon where he kicked everybody's <laughs> butt with the St. Louis Cardinals in what 2005 and was unhittable for a month. You know, let's 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 try to give the team the best chance to win. And I would really love to see Derek Falvey, Thad Levine, and Jim Polad say, "Okay, let's do it." And and here's the deal: uh, on a lot of these players, you have to give up a lot of prospects to get. If you have club control and it fails, or two years from now you're not in the playoff mix, but Frankie Montas is a really good pitcher, you know what that allows you to do? You then sell him back to somebody else and recoup the prospects, mm-hmm. and that goes. And that kind of goes right along with where I'm going to take this right now, Manny, and talk Rudy Gobert and the Minnesota Timberwolves. So uh, we'll recap the trade because I continue to think that, that it's hilarious just when you look at the sheer number of what happened. Everybody knows by now the Minnesota Timberwolves. They get Rudy Gobert, and just for just for kicks, I'm going to laugh at everything that it took to get Rudy Gobert. Malik Beasley, Patrick Beverly, Leandro Balmero, Jared Vanderbilt, Walker Kessler, who was the Timberwolves' first pick, number 22 overall, in this year's draft. A first-round draft pick in 2023, a first-round draft pick in 2025, a possible pick swap in 2026, a first-round draft pick in 2027, and a first-round draft pick in 2029. Actually, I take a breath after reading all of that, Manny. So at first blush for me, you know, you know me, I'm, I can be very overreactionary like a lot of sports fans. I was, I've been in on the trade from the get-go, but my initial thought was, well, this, this better work out or there's going to be a lot of bad basketball on the back half of this thing. Heck, even if he shows up and gets injured right away, there's probably going to be some pretty average basketball. If he's not on the court, yeah. it's not going to work. He needs to stay healthy. And that was the only thing that gave me trepidation. But then I listened to some other people say this, and it was like running straight into a wall. And I remember thinking, well, yeah, I mean, they're they're right. What is worst case scenario here? This goes belly up and blows up. They're just as bad and irrelevant as they have been for three decades. (laughs) So (laughs) there's there's not much of a downside here. There there really isn't for me. I, I don't think... The player that they get now, let's say Gobert stays healthy for five, six years. At 35, 36, he's not going to be the player they're going to have at 30, 31, 32, and probably 33. Right. But, Manny, there are legitimate people far smarter than me that think this makes the Wolves an NBA Finals contender. They could legitimately win an NBA Finals. Do I believe that? Heck no. I'm a Wolves cynic. Do I think it's, do I think it's possible? Yeah, I do. But... If this pays off and works, and then the Wolves are crappy in four years, there's not one Timberwolves fan in this town that wouldn't take it. I would even take it if they just got to a couple of conference finals and maybe even lost in the NBA finals. Mm -hmm. Just to have, we have never, as Timberwolves fans, we have never had 
an expanded stretch of irrelevancy outside of the seven-year run of going one and done, 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 one and done. I think that was seven times. Maybe that was only six. That was seven. And then Western Conference Finals. That was it. We've only had one established run of relevancy. So if this gives you three, four more years of making the playoffs combined with last year, go do it. And maybe maybe Gobert and Towns can get some other guys to come here on a sweetheart deal over the next year or two. Who knows? So I'm all for it, Manny. I don't even know what your take is. You texted me and said, you got to let me come on and talk Rudy Gobert because I have thoughts. So I've done a really good job talking this podcast. I'm literally just going to turn my mic off and let you talk and not even interject until you say, Ross, I'm done. (laughs) So take it away. Okay, so, well, I look at it like this. First of all, Rudy Gobert is is a fantastic player, and I think everybody everybody knows that he is by far and away, I think, the best defensive big man of his, I guess, a lack of a better term, of his generation. Certainly of the last six or seven years, he's been the best defensive interior player in the NBA. Um, so I, I think from that perspective of getting a player like that, putting him next to Carl Anthony Towns, he's going to do, he's going to do wonders for this team defensively. And I think we're going to, we're going to see his impact on the defensive end of the floor. I think be a little bit more prevalent with the wolves than it was even in Utah. And it was, it was there with Utah. The problem is the jazz had a lot of guys out there with him, especially in the playoffs, that were just not very good defensively. And I think the Wolves are going to be able to, you know, sort of cancel some of that stuff out, certainly with guys like Jaden McDaniels. I think Ant can take another step defensively. And I think it'll help Cat as well. Um, the only, the only, I guess, the only question I have about all of this in terms of what they gave up is okay. Now that you have him, he makes you absolutely. He makes you relevant in the Western conference, probably a top four team. If you stay healthy, the only question I have is, okay, what are you going to do when you get to the trade deadline and you need to make another move? Are you going to have enough pieces to be able to do that? to pull the trigger on a deal like that. That's the only question that I have because they, because my goodness, did they give up a lot for him? (laughs) They gave up a lot for him. And we're talking about, uh, we're talking about picks that are unprotected, save for the 2029 pick, which is top five protected. So it's very lightly protected, you know? And so for me, it's, it's giving up those picks is not as big of a deal as far as, well, who's that player going to be in 2027 or 2029? I mean, the, the the 2029 pick, that kid is in like the seventh grade right now. So who gives a damn? He plays. Um, he currently plays for Apple Valley High School or Benilde St. Margaret. Yeah, I, I know I said I wouldn't hop in, but I, I couldn't pass up a joke opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all for it. Um, so that part of it isn't isn't that big of a deal as far as who that player is going to be. But I do wonder like, okay. What happens in 2024 if you need to make a move? Are you going to be able to have enough pieces to do that if you're in a really good position to contend? Um, 
so yeah, I mean that that's really the only question I have about it. I'm not as worried about the on-court fit as other people have been. I know a lot of national people have been kind of questioning that because, well, it's two big guys in a in a league that's playing a lot of small ball. And well, you know, let's if anything, let's just see how this fits together first before we sort of run to that judgment. So yeah, go ahead. If Jane McDaniels and and Aunt Edwards continue to to develop like we think we will, I've I had that concern a week or two ago or whenever this trade broke down and listened to people again far smarter than myself. I had that same concern, but then I really started to think about it. Well, if Ant gets better defensively and Ant makes more shots outside and Jane McDaniels gets better defensively, and he's a pretty good outside shooter. And in the long run, if you find another outside shooter, I, I, I don't worry as much about that. The only part that I do worry about is when you get deep into the playoffs like this team should. So you get out of the first round. I do worry about the smaller teams and Cat having to be able to defend players he probably can't keep up with. But then if Gobert's just back at the basket ready to swat the ball away, I mean, maybe maybe that solves that problem right there. The, the, um, the compensation thing that you talked about. Could there still be a case to be made that D'Angelo Russell could be traded before camp starts? Because that is a way. What is? What do you think D'Angelo is worth? Could you get? You'd get at least a first round pick. Could you get two first round picks for him? Well, the problem. Here's and the, the problem it's with, the. I know the money too. That gets tough. That always yeah. gets tough. Here's the here's the issue with D'Angelo Russell. As far as a, a return that you could get for him, I'm just not sure, Ross, because I don't know how much of a market around the league there is for him in terms of are there a lot of teams making calls to the Wolves about D'Angelo Russell because he's, you know, basically on a one-year deal now? I don't – it doesn't sound like there is. It doesn't really sound like he's – I mean, he's a very good player. I think we all kind of know that. He's he's a very good player. He's a street. He's a bit of a streaky scorer, um, as we saw in the playoffs. He was brilliant in the playing game with the Clippers, but he was he was he was brutal in the Memphis series. I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious. Um, but I, I I don't know how widely regarded he is around the league enough to where teams are willing to shell away first round picks. Because here's the thing. And I will say this, and this kind of goes back to the deal for Gobert. I think we do have to be a little bit careful about, well, if the Wolves are really good, those picks are going to be in the 20s and, you know, they're not going to be as valuable. Okay, well, the guy they just traded for was the 27th pick in his draft. Yeah, and Jane McDaniels was the 28th overall pick. He was the 28th overall pick, and he was a guy that the Wolves were very steadfast against, including in a deal for Rudy Gobert. Yeah, so I, I agree with you. I made that point yeah. on a recent podcast. I believe it was the most recent one with Daniel House in the Minnesota Sports Chat and Score North Taxi Squad feed. So you and I are in lockstep on that one. Where, Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lesser chance that that player is going to be impactful, but they still can be impactful. Look at the Spurs made a heyday out of drafting players late in the first mm-hmm. round and second round. So I a hundred percent, Tim Kiley, the guy running the wolves front office right now, he found the guy that's won the last two league MVPs was a second round pick. <laughs> Nikola Jokic was a second round pick. Now, you know, and I, and I think this actually brings me to my next point. I think, 
in the case of Tim Connolly, this is where I think he's really going to make his money as the head man in charge. He made his big splashy deal. He's got his Rudy Gobert now. That's the guy he wanted. He made it happen. Now going forward, without a bunch of first round picks, you're going to have second round picks and you know mid level exceptions and things like that to use. This is where Tim Connolly, the 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 Tim Connolly that made all the nice moves in Denver and found all the hidden gems. This is where he's really going to make his money now because you've got your core with Cat, Rudy, Ant, and McDaniel's maybe D'Angelo Russell, but now who are the others, who are the other guys going to be? You know, we hear Shaquille O'Neal on TNT talk about the others, you know, who are the others going to be? The others, are, they're going to make shots. With the Wolves now, it's like, who are those other guys going to be? Jalen Noel's already there. Okay. Can he take another step? Um, they've got Torian Prince now for, you know, a, a two-year deal with, you know, non-guaranteed money on the back end of that. You know, Nas Reed, can he take another step? Some of these other guys, you know, they're going to be relied upon as well to provide depth. And if they don't, can Tim Connolly go out and find guys who can sort of step into those roles and contribute? I want to close with this on the Wolves before we do five filler questions here in closing. This is just more of a funny observation. Talked about this, I think, in the last pod, too. I absolutely love the Timberwolves clearly probably knowing from draft night they were close and that this could happen. For about a week, they trot poor Walker Kessler around. You know, he, he's he's got to do a few interviews. He goes to the – he meets the media. He does a couple different interviews talking about he needs to get to, I think, was it Redwood Falls because that's where his his grandpa was and his father is his father's childhood home. And he thought it was divine intervention to be drafted by the Timberwolves, and then they trade him. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> in addition to that, and on top of that, Tim Connolly, the night of the draft, afterwards he can't even talk about walker kessler because the trade hasn't oh, been made official by the league yet we talked about this last year i uh, why oh, the so nba sweet. can't figure that i know it's got something to do with their cba and how stuff goes down at the league office i get it but how in today's day and age they, so they can't get this thing figured out walker kessler has technically been property of three different nba franchises <laughs> he's been in the league for less than a month yeah it's incredible <laughs> It's so stupid. Also incredible, Beans Coffee. I'm a huge fan. I know you are, Manny. As Manny once told me, tell Mr. Beans he has great coffee. Still one of the better texts anybody's ever sent me. We're all busy, busy people. We occasionally forget things. I did that today, and I'm not going to tell you what I forgot because it was pretty bad. Beans Coffee Company, they're about more than just providing fresh, great-tasting coffee. They're also about simplicity and convenience. What could be easier than fresh roasted coffee showing up at your doorstep without ever having to remember to place an order or go pick some up? Oh, the last minute pickup for coffee when you're out's the worst. Head to coffeebybeans.com and sign up for a coffee subscription. Subscriptions can be set up for one to eight week intervals and can be customized by your favorite blend. Or you can just order bags as you want them as well, if that's your thing. You can do that. Subscribers, however, you have an option of 12-ounce or 5-pound bulk bags. Oh, 5 pounds of coffee. Yum. <laughs> Don't forget to use the promo code SPORTSCHAT when you sign up or check out that SPORTSCHAT to save 10% on your order. Beans Coffee Company, they ship anywhere in the U.S. with free shipping on all orders of 3 bags or more. That is coffeebybeans.com. Promo code SPORTSCHAT, coffeebybeans.com. Manny, are you ready for five 
filler, filler, filler questions. Lay them on me. What do we got? This is me ruffling the papers, by the way. <laughs> Number one. You're a big mafia guy. I've recently started rewatching Goodfellas. Mm-hmm. And by recently, I mean last night. <laughs> Which wise guy, real or fake, Manny, so real or just a fake one in a movie, actually had the best morals? You know, besides you know, all the crime and killing. Who was the best guy? I'd go with Tony Soprano. That's who I'd go with. I'll go with. I'll go with Michael Corleone. I hope you pick a real one. (laughs) (laughs) A real one. Do you know what I mean, though? Like, just somebody where, like, okay, they made bad decisions, but oh, they were a pretty good family man, or oh, you know, they only killed by the code. (laughs) You know, I don't know. I mean, well, does does Michael Corleone count? As a wise guy, I mean, he was a don. He became a don, right? Like I he think led it, the Corleone family he, after uh, after Vito passed. So I look at it this way, and I thought about not even saying wise guy, just mafia type or organized crime type. So you yeah. don't technically have to be a wise guy, but just of that ilk in that general vicinity. So I, I'd go with that. Heck, you're more on mafia than I am. So if you think it counts, then it counts. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say I'd say Michael Corleone's a good one. All right, how about this one? I don't know why I thought of this one. If you can't drive yourself in a car, Manny, and you can't take an airplane, how are you going from Minnesota to Chicago? You can't drive yourself and you can't fly. How are you getting to Chicago? Problem solve. Train or a bus, I guess, right? You could do train or a bus. I'd probably do... I'd probably do train i feel like a a train would take longer i think than a bus just because of stops and whatnot but i feel like a train would be a little bit more comfortable i've always wanted to take the train to chicago but it's always more expensive than you would think every time i've looked it up i went oh a long time too yeah it takes like 12 hours yeah (laughs) it takes a long time (laughs) uh other things that i came up with you could take the mega bus Okay. I suppose, could you take a helicopter six and a half hours? Maybe. Maybe you could. I don't know. Horse. You could still go by horse on the side of the road. You could have somebody <laughs> else. probably take, what, like three days? <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> you could take an Uber. It's been done. It costs a lot. Imagine accepting that Uber. You could take an Uber. You have to take out a loan for that. You could take a taxi. You yeah, could bike. Take out a loan for that one. Yeah, that would be more than the Uber, probably. You could bike. Could you take a hot air balloon? Do they last that long? I don't think they do. You could run like Forrest Gump. <laughs> Jan A, that's all I remember from that movie. I Don't get me started. I, I think Forrest Gump's one of the worst movies of all time. I, so don't, don't get me started on that. Do you want a Megabus story from somebody that we both know? Sure. It was just tell, something. Tell me off air. I think I've told you this before. I'll, I'll okay. tell it now. It's not bad. It's not okay. bad. Okay. Somebody that both Manny and I know once took the mega bus to Chicago, and I said, what What was that like? Because I've always wondered what that's like. Because you, you can take it for like 14 19 24 bucks. He said, uh, what, was it, what was it like? This person told me, and I know this person will listen to the pod. This person told me, I'll never forget it. Ross, I was the only one on the bus not on drugs. When we got to Chicago... I wished I was on drugs. <laughs> so, one of the funniest things anybody's ever told me. 
So I don't know if I'll be taking the mega bus anytime soon, but if they want to sponsor the pod, they can. <laughs> All right, Manny. Question number three of five filler questions. Spill the beans. We'll go national here. Just because if it's local, I don't want to get you in trouble. We'll go national. Which sports broadcaster or commentator bugs you just a bit? Can be personally or professionally. You don't even have to despise them, but you know maybe you're flipping through the channel and you're like, oh, I'll watch this game. Oh, never mind. It's this guy or gal. I'll watch something different. <laughs> you know Who is that? I know who your answer is. Yeah, it's Gus Johnson, 100%. <laughs> Gus might be the world's greatest person, but I don't need him to yell and scream. Ah, and, oh, Williams. this podcast yeah. is so great. Look at Ross press buttons. Oh, my gosh. I don't need my, that. It's annoying. My favorite, my favorite will always be when he was doing he was doing a gopher game on the, I think it was on the Big Ten Network and Rodney Williams. This was back when Rodney Williams was playing for the gophers. So it was a, bit, a few years ago. And he just... Went up for like an alley oop or something, and, and Gus just goes, "Ow, Williams!" You know, my recent Gus Johnson stories a few years ago. I'm pumping gas at a Holiday Station store, and he was on one of the commercials, and he was doing his classic overselling everything. And I forgot mm-hmm. what Super Bowl did we just have? Uh, fifty six. Okay, so this is actually probably about a year and a half ago because it was Super Bowl fifty five. And it was like for a Doritos commercial, like go inside and buy your Doritos at Holiday oh, or something, right? This, yeah. And it ends with the Hummus Super Bowl 55. And I'm like, oh, gosh, just so oversold. It's just one it's time, uh, one time Timberwolves television. Broadcast. Yeah. That's and I, I hear he's right. a great dude. And I don't uh, look. He's been more successful in this business than I probably ever will be. And I don't begrudge him for it. I'm just thoroughly annoyed by it so that's <laughs> ah, williams that's so that's mine um man it's well yeah i think you know i think you know which what mine is i don't <laughs> well so are we talking just any broadcaster or, or it can be oh, it can, like play by play no it can be a tv personality too um just commentator of some sorts. I didn't think this would be that difficult for you, but see, you're like me. Yeah, I think we're, we to, we both want to rip people. Yeah, we both pride Probably. ourselves on being nice. But I think if Gus Johnson heard this pod, first off, Gus, thanks for listening. Uh, <laughs> second off, I think Gus would probably just laugh and say, "Oh, that peon, who cares what he thinks?" Well, I think you probably know I'm not a huge fan of Kevin Winter. Oh yeah, Kevin Winter. Yeah, not not Kevin Winter the person because I don't know him personally, but I'm not a huge fan of his style, so to speak. Yeah, not, just not one of my favorites. Okay, that's probably that'll probably be my answer. And I love, and we'll leave it at that. <laughs> See, I told you I wouldn't get you too much trouble with this one. Uh, what sport or recreational activity are you awful at that you just love to be good at? I'd like to be well. Golf would be one. I'd like to be better at tennis too. Yeah, see, actually, tennis would be would be mine, I think. Okay. Yeah. I would love to be good, really good at tennis. And you're quietly a pretty big tennis guy, aren't you? You watch most I of do. the majors. Yeah, I used to, um, not as much anymore, but when I was a kid, I used to be glued to the TV during this time of the year when Wimbledon was going on. Big time, when it was on uh, NBC, and the, the late, great Dick Enberg was uh, doing Wimbledon matches here and there and whatnot, so... 
For those who can't see, well, which is pretty much everybody, because I don't think I'll be posting the video to this one, but Manny just pointed to the sky for, for Dick Hemberg, which was awesome. One of my favorites, yeah. Final question, then we'll get out of here, Manny. Uh, plug for all the good people at Jazz 88, 88.5 FM in the Twin Cities and at jazz88.fm. Aside from hearing your melodious tones, why should people listening to Minnesota Sports Chat check out Jazz 88? Because of our mission of jazz and education, I think is really, really special. And I think we have a lot of things as, as it relates to Minneapolis public schools that are uh, on the horizon that I'm going to be a big part of, that I'm really excited to be a big part of. Um, we're the only jazz station in the entire state of Minnesota. And uh, we're very proud of that actually. And um, we're just continuing to grow and, and um, you know, expand on what we're doing and, it's uh it's a good time. We really like what we're doing. Everybody is um I think you know myself aside, I think everybody's really enjoyable to listen to um during during our daily uh programming. Our weekend programming is great as well. We just have a lot of really good people that that really enjoy what we do and um yeah, that's what I would say. And you're supporting a community-driven, educationally-based radio station in North Minneapolis, which I think is just awesome. So a way you can support myself, you can follow me on Twitter at Brendel Ross. You can like and review Minnesota Sports Chat on Apple and Spotify. Or if you have a few extra dollars, go to jazz88.fm and throw some money to Jazz88's way. They could always use the money and your support. Manny, I always appreciate, I was going to say, your money and your support, which I suppose is true. Uh, You're at MannyHill84 on the Twitter machine, correct? That is correct, yep. That's all I have for you. Will you come back again? You're kind of contractually, by friend duties, you kind of have to. (laughs) I am always uh, willing to come on with you, my friend. We've been friends for a really long time, almost 20 years. It's hard to imagine that, but... um, but yeah, I mean, anytime you want me on, I'll, I'm, you know I'm there for you. Well, we don't know what it is, but we did decide there's a Manny quota. We did decide that a few months back. <laughs> yeah. We just need to figure out what the Manny quota is. Thank you, buddy. You got it, my friend. That is Jazz88 and Score North's Manny Hill at Manny Hill 84 on the Twitter machine. I know many of you, if you're listening in that Taxi Squad feed, you've heard him there. I'm Brendel Ross saying thank you so much for listening. I'm Brendel Ross. No, I'm Ross Brendel saying thank you so much for listening to Minnesota Sports Chat. We'll talk again real soon.